You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for staying with us here on Real Presence Live. We're coming to you live from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, South Dakota this morning. I'm one of your hosts, Father Randall Kazel, joined by... Steve Sponskowski. And before we get into our next interview, I want to invite you to visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. That's realpresenceradio.com for even more great content and to learn our faith even more. Uh, There you can listen to programming from our local area, find podcasts. If you've missed one of our daily shows, you could submit a prayer intention for prayerfully yours on our program and see what's coming up across our network on our news page. So be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. And this morning, uh, we are blessed to welcome Father Joel Hastings from the Diocese of Duluth. Uh, He is the Director of the Office of Worship. Uh, Welcome with us, Father Hastings. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you with us. And uh, Father Hastings, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what the Episcopate means to you in your service in the life of the Church in Duluth? Well, I'm ordained for 20 years. I'm currently pastor of St. Benedict Parish in Duluth, as well as, as you mentioned, the Director for Office of Worship. And given that uh, role as Director of the Office of Worship, certainly I've worked closely with the bishops here in Duluth, uh, primarily, of course, our late uh, Bishop Serba, and then before him, now Archbishop Schnur, who's out in Cincinnati, and, you know, mainly emceeing the uh, the larger liturgies, uh, but also at times having to help them with answering liturgical questions of, say, parishioners who write in to the bishop and say, why does Father do this or that or the other thing? So certainly there's that more concrete reality, but you know, on a more personal level, certainly wanting to look up to the, the bishop as a father, as one who truly is seeking to shepherd you know, all of his flock, which includes his uh, presbyterate and the, the deacons of his diocese, and, you know, provide us with that uh, face of Jesus Christ uh, and the, the shepherding of, of us in the way to the kingdom. So certainly that, that part of it is significant as well. Yes, thank you, Father Hastings. And I just a word of... Uh... A consolation again regarding Bishop Serba. You know, for our listeners, he passed away uh, December first, and he was a friend of mine, Father Hastings. I knew him before he went to Duluth, and I was at his uh, ordination and installation in Duluth that day uh, several years ago. So I just want to express uh, uh, my hopes that uh, the good people in Duluth are praying for uh, all the consolation of the Holy Spirit that they desire, and of course for uh, the next uh, bishop that will fill the see there in Duluth. Um, I wanted to ask you a common question from many of the faithful and uh, sometimes within the Church. Would this be called, uh, with Bishop-elect DeGroote today, would it be called an ordination or a consecration? It's interesting, because you, you do hear that word consecration used quite regularly in reference to when a new bishop is, you know, as I will say it, ordained. Um, and, I, and I base, you know, on the, the rite itself, it does refer to the ordination of the bishop, you know, minding, of course, that in holy orders there are the three degrees or grades of holy orders, beginning with diaconate, and then on to the presbyterate or priesthood, and then the episcopacy being the fullness of holy orders. So 
it is, you know, properly speaking, an ordination, in as much as, of course, uh, Archbishop Hebda and then the two, and here we go, kind of some of the confusion, because sometimes the the, mm-hmm. the the other two bishops are referred to as co-consecrators. That's right. Um, but the reality of, you know, they will, through the imposition of their hands, be ordaining him. Yeah, and can you say a word on that, too? We have the, the principal consecrator, will be Archbishop Hebda, and then why do we need two further bishops to be co-consecrators, as they're called? My, my understanding of that, is it's, it tends to be more of the, the reality of, of the witnessing, uh, you know, that there would be more than just one bishop present, but that other bishops, in the interest of both kind of witnessing and, and, and admitting, I'm I'm kind of grasping for straws for this answer a little bit, um, but I, I think it's important that you know you do have the the multiple witnesses from you know yeah. the, the church from the successors of the apostles. But I, I think on the other hand too, it's important to recognize that being ordained, you're you're being brought into a you know a collegial reality. You know the the reality of the bishops. They you know they are a, a union. You know with the Holy Father as as the head. And, and thus, you know, all of the bishops present, not just these three, but all of the bishops present, will impose hands on Bishop-elect de Grood as part of the ceremony. And thus, again, that, that sharing in the, the, the collegiality that is truly meant to be expressed amongst the bishops. Yeah, that, very good, Father Hastings. And I think if I might just parallel a little bit of, of what you're describing in the, the life of the church, our, our worship is public and it's open for people to come to know. There, especially when we uh, have this idea of, of the conferral of sacraments, we think of the parallel uh, uh, reality regarding the sacrament of matrimony, that there are required two witnesses. And so there, there's, there needs to be people to give testimony outside of the main principal uh, recipients of the sacrament who will can give testimony that this took place, this was a public act. And I think that's a part of what you're getting at there regarding the, the two additional bishops along with the main consecrator. Can I, uh, I'll ask a question as a layman because I, I, this question came to mind um, for, for, for you, Father, uh, for both of you, I guess. So could, can a bishop ordain another bishop without the presence of other bishops? Or is it now? Am I getting into a can of worms? Well, <laughs> probably, probably not what we would call licitly. Uh, but what do you think, Father Hastings? Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I would probably fall in that same area. That I, I think the, the, the reality of, of having the two present is, is what would be ordinarily required. You know, minding that there might be circumstances where um, such just is not reasonably possible. But if it's reasonably possible, it's it what is to happen. And, and so I, I, I think your terminology there of, you know, licit versus valid, I think it could be validly done, but illicitly if it, if it was reasonably possible for there not to be, or if, if it were reasonably possible for there to be the two co-ordaining bishops present. Yeah, I mean, we could wouldn't take too much of a stretch to think of a scenario. Even yesterday, we had the big, uh, you know, the blowing snow coming here, and, and you know, a few times I wasn't sure. You know, I hope the road's under me here. And uh, you know, what what if you have a big, huge blizzard on the day of the mm-hmm. scheduled ordination, and only maybe two bishops arrive? Then do you delay, or you know, or what do you do? Or maybe there's a in a remote sea somewhere far away, and 
one or two bishops only could get there? How do you uh, have then the continuation of uh, apostolic succession or that, that it will actually happen? Right. So yeah, there's potential yep. for that to happen. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. A concept and actually the, the verbiage in the church licit, valid, all these are all important concepts for us to, to understand. So. Uh, so if you're just joining us right now, we're visiting with Father Joel Hastings, who is the director of the Office of Worship for the Diocese of Duluth. He's also the pastor at St. Benedict's Church there in Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, we're visiting with him today. We're coming to you live from Sioux Falls. Now, uh, Father, you are very familiar with liturgies, obviously, as the director of the Office of, of Worship at the Diocese of Duluth, um, and as people tune in to uh, watch this ordination and consecration of Bishop DeGroote at realpresenceradio.com, um, what are they going to see? Well, one of the things they will notice right away is, you know, the reality of Bishop-elect DeGroote, of course. He will be accompanied by two priests who are chaplains to him, um, one of whom may be the one to present him to uh, uh, Archbishop Hebda. Um, and it's kind of interesting, because I, I feel like I was able to study by watching. I just had the privilege of being at a bishop ordination on Tuesday out in Gary, Indiana, uh, for a mm. dear friend who's now their bishop. And I, I was intrigued by the fact that one of his own two chaplain priests was the one who uh, presented him to the uh, the ordaining archbishop there. And, and during that time, there will be an exchange asking whether or not there is an apostolic mandate. You know, and, and it's similar to how when we ordain deacons and priests, there is the question of uh, basically have these men been rightly formed and approved uh, to be receiving the sacrament? Well, in this case, it's by the Holy Father's choice. And so is there that apostolic mandate? And once it is acknowledge that there is, that will be read uh, by the Apostolic Nuncio. And so he will read that and basically provide some personal remarks um, in reference to the Holy Father's choice, but also the more official appointment of Bishop-elect de Grude as Bishop of Sioux Falls. And then from there, um, there will be the homily. But then we have the actual rites of ordination, which parallel the other degrees of holy orders, in terms of Bishop-elect DeGroote, he will, um, during the praying of the Litany of Saints, will lie prostrate on the, the floor of the cathedral, um, laying down his life in a very literal way, um, being prayed over by the people present and asking the intercession of the saints in heaven. And then, of course, will come the imposition of hands of the archbishop primarily, but then the two co-ordaining bishops, and then all of the other bishops present. Um, followed by the praying, uh, the prayer of ordination, uh, the calling down of the Holy Spirit upon him and, and granting him those graces. But then there's all of the beautiful, there's, there's all of the beautiful um, explanatory rites, as we sometimes call them in reference to other sacraments as well. Um, there will be the anointing of his head. Uh, they'll actually literally pour out chrism oil upon his head and Again, it remains to be seen as to how freely the oil will be poured, uh, or if they'll kind of rein in Archbishop Hebda so he doesn't uh, <laughs> totally soak uh, Bishop-elect DeGroote. But certainly that sign of the oil coming down upon him, uh, that anointing by the Holy Spirit. Um, there will be the reception of the Book of the Gospels, 
um, but in a different way than, say, at uh, diaconate, whereas at diaconate it's handed from the bishop to the new deacon. In this case, it will be held over his head, open, um, almost like the, the word falling upon him, in a sense. And then there will be the reception of the various insignia of his office, the, uh, the ring and the mitre and the pastoral staff, or the crozier, um, signifying, you know, again, his various roles, and for that matter, his, his new life as wedded to the Church in the case of the ring, and as, as shepherd and as teacher and he who assumes this threefold office of, of sanctifying and governing and teaching of the faith. Um, so all of these elements will be woven into the right, and then, of course, finally he will assume the cathedra and take full possession of his cathedral and of his diocese. And then, interestingly, uh, Archbishop Hebda will take a seat on the side, and at this point Bishop de Groot will mm. offer the, the Liturgy of the Eucharist as principal celebrant. And so already entering into the fullness of that shepherding capacity within his his home cathedral, his home diocese, um, and basically offering the, the sacrifice with all the other bishops can celebrating, and for that matter, the priests with them can celebrating. And so it's a very beautiful progression, you know, from being the man chosen to being uh, acknowledged as the one chosen to being ordained and then to already assuming that fullness of his new call. Well, thank you for sharing those details, Father Hastings, and, and so we have, can look forward to a beautiful liturgy this afternoon. And for any of our listeners that want to tune in and watch, they will be showing it through the Diocese of Sioux Falls website, so you can watch uh, as well. Uh, one thing, if we can go back a little bit. Last night, Father, I was at the Vespers prayer with adoration, and after uh, Bishop Elect DeGrude gave uh, a sermon, he then knelt before the Blessed Sacrament and made the Oath of Fidelity. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you share with us uh, that particular detail and, and why that's important as part of this process leading up to ordination? Well, and I, I find that very interesting and beautiful that he would do it publicly, because uh, very often it happens privately. In fact, uh, uh, if I may refer to his name, Bishop Robert McClory of Gary, Indiana, I know Monday evening he had to go off and privately take that oath. Um, and then later that evening, of course, was the uh, Vespers. Uh, but to, to do it publicly certainly expresses that, that fullness of commitment to, to Holy Mother Church and to, to upholding, again, the, the duties and the, the office in which he assumes, um, and to do it with the fullness of that surrender of, of faith to, to our Lord, to, to what has been revealed in the sacred scriptures and handed down in sacred tradition, and and carrying it out with that fullness of, again, that he is a, a servant of the Church. And so to, to be able to, to do that publicly, I think, just speaks to, again, uh, it's a great act of humility, I would say, of, of just showing that openly, that I'm laying down my life once again. And I say once again because, of course, you know, upon uh, being approved for holy orders, uh, men who are ordained deacons would make a profession of faith as well, and so it's just kind of a further step and a deepening of what has already been carried out in his life. 
Yeah, and and for our listeners, yeah, that that oath fidelity is also taken by uh, a pastor when named to a new pastorate. I believe, believe that is that correct, Father? I, I think it can be. I, I have to admit, here in the diocese of Duluth, uh, these kinds of protocols haven't always been, shall we say, upheld with with uh, their fullness. I mean, it, I think it's more assumed. But well, uh, um, thank you, Father Hastings, for being with us this morning, and we're uh, very blessed to have you share your time and information on the upcoming ordination of uh, Bishop-elect DeGrood. Coming up next, we have the pleasure of welcoming Bishop John Quinn of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, about the joy of his own ordination day. And later, Bishop Andrew Cousin will share his excitement. Stay with us here at Real Presence Radio.